Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Bobby Chow. Father, we thank you for this wonderful evening. Thank you, Lord, for what a great celebration these past two weeks. And Lord, we know that you are here in our midst even this evening. And once again, we ask that you come and speak to us through your word. Let your word be clear. Let it be revelation. Let it come like a rhema that will change our hearts and our mind. So Lord, we commit the rest of the evening into your hands. We pray all this in the wonderful name of Jesus and all God's people say, Amen. Why not let's give Jesus a big hand clap tonight. Amen. All right. Well, tonight, um, I have an opportunity to share. So I'm going to continue with the book of Numbers so that uh, we try to attempt to finish the entire book, uh, if we can. But it's interesting. So, as I study and, and look at the different chapters, as we uh, move along, it seems that it's in line with what God is speaking to the church. So, I thought it would be interesting to just look at the next chapter. Now, for the past few months, we have been focusing on the subject on the kingdom of God. And we have been talking about cultivating deep people. And cultivating deep people is really to become kingdom-minded people. And we must contend for more of God's kingdom to be here in our life, here on this earth. So today I want to continue with the book of Numbers, but let me just do a quick recap in Numbers 13 and 14, which we previously looked at. Now, previously, I talked to you from Numbers 13 and 14 concerning the kingdom attitude of faith. Turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, you've got to have the attitude of faith. Now remember, we look at the story of the 12 spies, and the spies came back from uh, the promised land. They gave a report to Moses and the people. Now the report was such that the promised land was a land of abundance, flowing with milk and honey. But then the residents of the land were strong, the cities were large and fortified. So we saw how in the report, there was the good news and the bad news. Okay, everybody say the good news, the bad news. So you find that promise always comes with its problems. So this is the reality of life and ministry. This is the reality that we live in. But the question is how should we respond to this reality? And I share with you that we must respond with faith. Faith in God. You see, God and His Word, His promises are synonymous. So when you believe God's Word, you're believing God Himself. When you believe in His promises, you're believing in God Himself. So when you do His Word, really, you're obeying God Himself. So when... So we see in Numbers 13 and 14 how there was a death of the old rebellious generation in the wilderness because they refused to believe. But then there is a birth of a new generation of hope standing at the threshold of the promised land. What is the Bible trying to tell us? You see, City Harvest, to enter God's promised land, to contend for His promise, there must be a dying to the old attitude of grumbling and unbelief. But there must be a putting on of a new attitude, the kingdom attitude of faith, one that walks by faith and not by sight. Now, we are to become that new generation, a generation who overcome not with the carnal human weapons, but by the Word of God. A generation that keep believing His Word, keep speaking His Word, keep praying His Word, and keep doing His Word. That is what Numbers 13 and 14 is trying to reveal to us. Now, this week, let us move on to the next chapter, Numbers chapter 15. Now, you find it in Numbers 15, it's very interesting. When you look at the chapters that we have covered so far, you find that from chapters 1 to 10, it talks about the preparation, the ordering of the camp in, of Israel. 
So we look at that in the previous, uh, those pre many, many months ago, on how they, they were to arrange themselves around the Ark of the Covenant. Then when you come to Numbers chapter 11 to chapter 14, they began their journey. But their journey, when they began their journey, it was plagued with wave after wave of rebellion, disobedience, and mutiny. Now, if you continue to read on the book of Numbers and go into chapter 16, you will find that there will be another bout of rebellion happening over there. But right in the middle, here in Numbers chapter 15, the story took a break. It took a break from the downward slide of Israel's rebellion. And it turned to a totally different subject, dealing with laws concerning sacrifices and offerings. So if you remove chapter 15, it is a one theme called rebellion, disobedience, and mutiny. But right in the middle, the, 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 the Bible interject, interrupted with a chapter 15 concerning sacrifices and offerings. Everybody say sacrifice and offerings. It is as if God stopped Israel in a backsliding to take stock and to remember what has been forgotten, to receive encouragement in the face of despair. So as you read this passage in Numbers 15, you will find that the author kept repeating a subject concerning the offering and sacrifice. Six times it was being repeated that the offering and sacrifice will make a sweet aroma to the Lord. A sweet aroma to the Lord. Look at verse 3. It says, And you make an offering by fire to the Lord, to make a sweet aroma to the Lord. Verse 7, A drink offering you shall offer as a sweet aroma to the Lord. Verse 10, An offering made by fire a sweet aroma to the Lord. Verse 13, Presenting an offering made by fire a sweet aroma to the Lord. Verse 14, Present an offering made by fire a sweet aroma to the Lord. Verse 24, A burnt offering as a sweet to the Lord. So the, you find that Numbers 15 is talking about what? Sweet aroma. Hallelujah. So those who are in the spa business, tonight is your night. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, sweet aroma to the Lord. You see, in the Old Testament, sweet aroma from the offering was necessary to appease God's wrath and turn away judgment. You see, the penalty of sin, the Bible says, is death. It is separation from God because it provokes God's wrath. As a result, man and God cannot dwell together. But the sweet aroma from offerings brings reconciliation. It restores man's fellowship with God. Friends, you know what? Numbers 11 to 14, there is rebellion, rebellion, disobedience, rebellion, mutiny. It provoked God's wrath and it continued their rebellion and rebellion. But in the midst of it all, there is something that you can stop. The wrath of God. And it is called the sweet aroma. Amen? You see, Numbers 15 kept repeating this fact again and again to remind us that no matter how far we may, have been, we, have, we may have fallen, in judgment, God always remembers mercy. That God wants you. His ultimate objective is not to be separated from you because yes, He will be provoked in wrath, but in judgment, He always remembers mercy. Another thing, as you look at Numbers 15, you find that after all the rebellion and disobedience that we have seen in Numbers uh, 14, Numbers 13, the previous chapters, look at the opening words of the Lord to the people in Numbers chapter 15. Look at verse 1. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When you have come into the land, 
you are to inhabit which I am giving to you. Notice, after all the rebellion, God tells them, you know what? You will still be going to the land. Look, again, he repeats himself in verse 17. He says, again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land to which I bring you. You know what? No matter what you have done, no matter how terrible sometimes we have fallen, God's good plan for His people was not aborted in spite of all their sin. Because in judgment, God always remembers mercy. See, there was a future for Israel in the promised land, a future of intimate relationship with God. What is God trying to tell them? He's saying this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what happened, I will seek restoration and reconciliation. You will never fall too far that I cannot reach out to you because I am merciful. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you see God's incredible? He is incredible. His incredible grace and mercy over here. Israel kept grumbling, unbelieving, rejecting God and His word. They kept provoking God to wrath. But yet, each time God responded and said, when you have come into the land which I'm bringing you, He kept His promise. He never departed from His promise. Why? Because as what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, that if we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. God is faithful. God is good. All the time, His name is faithful. You see, God is not like us. See, when God restores, He doesn't keep a distance from us. Sometimes we do that. Let me give you an example. For example, you promise to go on a holiday trip with your friend. But before the departure date, suddenly something happened, you have a fallout with your, with your friend. But you have already bought a ticket. You already booked a hotel. You cannot cancel. You need to save you. You don't want to waste the money. But you have a fallout. You have, not been, you have a cold war. You have not been talking to the person for a few days. So what now? Well, you may still go because you feel obligated. Oh, but the entire trip, the atmosphere on the trip will be like a freezer. When you, when you order food, the person will be sitting on one table, you're on another table. You take picture, you purposely cut away. <laughs> right? A deep crop, only your face appears. Every Instagram photo, hey, I thought you went with the person. Where's the person? Well, he disappeared. <laughs> Why? Because, because we, we are like that. Sometimes we go, we may... We may Continue to do what we promised to do, but on the inside, the relationship has died. You see, we may do what we have promised, but we, do, we did not restore the relationship. But God is not like that. When God forgives you, He don't just keep a distance from you. He wants you. He wants you near. He wants to be close to you because His name is merciful. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, He welcomes Israel back to His presence to share fellowship with them. Like what Psalms 27 says, when, our, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. He is faithful. You see, in the midst of despair and failure, in Numbers, you find that Moses kept reminding the children of Israel who God is. You see, if you back up to chapter 14, look at verse 18. Moses told the people, the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. Who is our God? Let me tell you, God is long-suffering. That is His name. 
His name is long-suffering, abandoned in mercy. God's grace and mercy are also evident in Numbers 15 when you come down all the way down to verse 13. Look at Numbers 15, verse 13. It says, All who are native-born shall do these things in this manner, in presenting an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Oh, now it talks about the native-born people. Now, the phrase native-born refers to those who are born in the promised land. And here God is talking about the future. You must remember, Numbers 15, they haven't even entered into the promised land. They are still circling in the wilderness. And God is already telling them that in the future, there will be native-born Israel and they must continue to offer the sacrifice, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Why? Because God has faith in your future. When you think that you cannot, you cannot succeed, when you think that you are a failure, that your future is dark and there's no hope, God already saw into the future because His name is merciful, gracious, long-suffering. Hallelujah. You see, at this point in the book of Numbers, this statement requires this word called faith. This declaration requires faith. Remember, the Israelites were still wandering in the wilderness. In fact, because of their rebellion, they had just been condemned to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. If you look at verse 33 of the previous chapter, the Lord told them, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. Can you imagine? They just received a, a bad news. But how, when you, when you are faced with bad news, how are you going to believe that your future is bright? Sometimes it's a struggle. That's why it requires faith. And tonight, I want you to know, City Harvest, our future is bright because our God is merciful. Hallelujah. You see, God promised their children, promised the Israelites that their children would nonetheless enter the promised land and inherit the land for themselves. Because in judgment, God always remembers mercy. You see, Numbers 15, what is Numbers 15 trying to tell us? Numbers 15 is telling us, no matter how terrible our circumstances may be, Trust in His faithfulness. Won't you turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, trust in His faithfulness. You see, Israel chose, to, chose the way of unbelief and resulted in disobedience. And disobedience broke their relationship with God and led to death. So unbelief will cause disobedience and disobedience results in death. Death of a relationship. But you know what? The opposite is true. When you have faith instead of unbelief, faith in His Word, you find that you will obey and do His Word. And your obedience will lead to life in God's presence and fellowship with Him. So if you want to experience life, if you want to live a life of obedience, you must start from the beginning called faith. You must believe. See, why is it that people so often give in to sin and live a life of disobedience? Even though we knew what we are doing is wrong. You see, it is because it always traces back to the heart of unbelief. Until these core beliefs are challenged, little real change is possible in our lives. That is why, even when we recognize the sinful patterns that lead to painful consequences, we often find that we cannot change them. We keep repeating 
the wrong, the, the, the wrong that we don't want to do, we keep doing. Because the fundamental issue has to do with faith. You see, unbelief drives disobedience. Why? Why would the Israelite live a life of disobedience? Because of their unbelief. Unbelief drives disobedience. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. It is holding on to an opposite set of opinion concerning God. Unbelief says, I don't believe that God exists. Unbelief says that God doesn't care. Unbelief says that God is not involved in my life. Unbelief says that God is not really working all things good for me. So, so our belief must change. When you change your belief, you change your life. Change must start from the inside. That is why in relationship, you find that relationship is built on trust. It's built on faith. Faith is built on truth. And God's promise and word is truth. Unbelief is built on a lie, but faith is built on truth. Without truth, there can be no trust. Without trust, as you find that relationship breaks down. So if we don't believe in God and we don't have faith in what He says, you find that you cannot come into an intimate relationship with God. But tonight, I want you to know that God is trustworthy. Trustworthy. Because His Word is good. Why is His Word good? Because Jeremiah 1 verse 12 tells us that the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my Word to perform it. Why is God's Word good? Because whatever He says, He will do it. He is trustworthy. His Word is true. You find that this is true with God? But it's also true with our relationship with each other. So in our relationship with one another, especially husband and wife, you must learn to communicate truth. Even if it is ugly, messy, and inconvenient, always speak the truth. You see, usually people are accepting toward mistakes, but they cannot accept the lie. Okay, one more time. People usually can accept you make mistakes, but they cannot accept you tell me a lie. They can forgive you for making a mistake, but you tell me a lie. It breaks their heart and the relationship is broken. So, if a husband, afraid that his wife find out that he has gotten into a huge debt and he starts telling lies, you find that the day when the wife finds out, World War Three will... Jibaboom! will break out in the home. Why? Because of the lie. Relationship breaks down. Because relation, relationship is built on trust. Trust and faith is built on truth. You must tell the truth. Are you with me? Why am I telling you all this? Because let me tell you, the testing of our faith is not so much about whether are we going to receive a blessing from God, the testing of our faith is a test of relationship. All the trials of our life that we go through has to do with relationship, our relationship with Him and our relationship with one another. It has to do with a test on relationship. The test is this, is when you cannot see God's hand moving in your life, do you still believe in Him and in His promises? Sometimes it's easier said and done. You know, sometimes, like I say, God is merciful, but I know many of us in our hearts and minds, when you close your eyes, you struggle with self-condemnation. You can't feel His grace. You can't feel His mercy. But my question is, can you believe Him? Can you keep believing Him that He is faithful? He will not let you go. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you. Even all the voices on the inside of you is crying out, you are forgotten already. There's no more hope for you. But can you hold on to His promise and to His word? Because He is trustworthy. He's watching over His promise and His word to perform it. 
The testing of our faith is always a test of our relationship, our relationship with Him. Why? Why was God going to bring the Israelites into the promised land? Was it simply so that they could have a beautiful place to live in? Was it so that they do not need to worry about what to eat, what to wear? No. The purpose of the promised land was for relationship. Everybody say relationship. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 5 to verse 7, it says here, But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put His name for His dwelling place. You see, God wants to dwell with His people. Relationship. And there you shall go. Verse 6, There you shall take your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heath, uh, the offerings of your hand, your vow offerings, your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God. You know what? The purpose of going to the promised land because God wants to eat with His people. Fellowship, relationship, and you shall rejoice in all to which you have put your hand, you and your households, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. The purpose of bringing them out of Egypt into the promised land is so that God can have a relationship dwelling with His people. Not so much of they have a comfortable life, clothes to wear, house to stay in. All this will come. But the primary purpose is for relationship. Everybody shout relationship. You see, last month I was in uh, Sarawak. Uh, in one of our uh, uh, affiliate church in Kuching, City Harvest Church. City Harvest Church, Kuching. Now, when I was ministering there, Pastor George, Pastor George, share with me, uh, if, if, you, if you lack laughter, you should go to Kuching. You sit down, have a meal with Pastor George, he'll make you laugh all the way. He's really a fun guy. Pastor George, share with me an interesting encounter with a member. So he said this, he said recently, he was at the shopping mall. And he met a lady member who had stopped coming to church for a while. Now, this member first came to church. And when, uh, when she first came to church, she was very sick. And she had to be on long-term medication. But when she came to church, Pastor George prayed for her. Jesus miraculously healed her of all her sickness. And she was delivered from that disease. And not only that, God prospered her business. But suddenly, she disappeared. So when Pastor George saw her at the shopping mall, he asked her, he said, Hey, sister, I have not seen you for a while. Why have you stopped coming to church? Didn't Jesus heal you of your sickness? The sister replied and Pastor George said, Yeah, Pastor, exactly. Jesus healed me of my sickness. Why do I still need to go to church? <laughs> Yeah, correct. Huh? <laughs> Jesus healed me of my, sickness, of my sickness. Why do I still need to go to church? See, friends, the reason why God saved us, healed us, delivered us, is there's a primary purpose. The primary purpose is because He wants to have a relationship with you. Relationship. You see, God's enduring purpose is to dwell together and fellowship with His people. He wants a relationship. He wants a relationship with me. In the, if the end goal of man is to have a comfortable life, plenty to eat and money to spend, then let me tell you, many sinners have already entered the promised land. In fact, their promised land is have better promise than our, than our promise. It is like the psalmist. The psalmist said that in Psalm 73. You see, in the psalmist in Psalm 73, he said this. He says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, I feel I, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Amen. No, okay. 
Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Look at verse 12. This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. You know what? If the end goal is to live a comfortable life, plenty to eat, money to spend, let me tell you, the, the sinners, the wicked, have a better promised land than us. But the, the, but the author went on to say this. He let out a huge sign in verse 13. He said, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. But then, suddenly he had a revelation when it comes to verse 17. He said, Until I enter the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Look at what the psalmist says in verse 25. The psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Verse 27, Those who are far from you will perish, you destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. You know what? He understood. Yuan Lai. Yuan Lai. Because God wants relationship. Are you with me? What? God wants a relationship. God wants an intimate relationship with us. And the psalmist cried and said, Oh God, I understood now. It is good for me to be near you. Because that is the original goal. Amen? See, the more you trust Him, the more you will obey. Because relationship propels obedience. Intimacy with God, above all else, is not only the foundation of obedience, but it also shapes our attitude toward giving. That's why when you read Numbers chapter 15, you'll find that there is a demand of substantial, uh, that, that the, the passage makes substantial demands on the resources of God's people. They were required, if you read carefully, they were required to sacrifice and burn the lamb, the ox, the goat. Now, what are these things? Now, these animals were, their, were like their tractor, their mode of transport in ancient days. Now, in today's term, let me bring in, bring in 21st century context. It's like bringing your car and putting it on water, pour kerosene, <laughs> sacrifice your car, burn it to the Lord. I mean, it is very, very expensive. It's not cheap. It is a substantial demand on them. And you find that most of these offerings were voluntary offerings. They are not compulsory. So the question is this, how could the people voluntarily offer such precious, expensive offerings to the Lord? The answer is relationship. That is why when two persons is in love, there's a moment you quickly get married. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. No, because recent, every time I marry the couple, they, they, they would give their vow, they always say, and uh, with it, and endow all my worldly goods, endow to you. Well, at the moment, always I see the, the, the bride always break out into a smile. <laughs> Why? But then, the, then the, the bridegroom also willingly, happily pour everything, anything I'll give you. Okay, why, why? Why would a person willing to offer everything and anything? Because of relationship. Not because of rules or regulation, but because of the intimacy. When you come into an intimate relationship with God, nothing is too expensive to offer on the altar. He deserves everything. Amen? Can you turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, God wants a relationship with you. You see, look at, let me show you Moses. I, I love Moses. In, in Numbers, you read about Moses. You find Num Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt with only one goal, 
and that is to meet with God. He longed for intimacy with Jehovah God. But the Israelites were only concerned about where to get meat to eat, water to drink, where to pitch their tents. But for Moses, he understood that the goal is not to find meat to eat, water to drink, where to pitch a tent, but it's a relationship with Almighty God. So when God and Moses were silent, there was a day where the, the children of Israel did not receive any SMS message or WhatsApp message from Moses. Suddenly, they all turned away from God to worship idols. In Exodus 32 verse 1, look at the people. It says, now when the people saw Moses delay coming down from the mountain, you know, sometimes your leaders delay replying your WhatsApp, WhatsApp message. A bit like that. Lah. Moses delayed coming down from the mountain. The people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, come, make us God. Make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So what happened? They, they pulling all the golden earrings, they molded a golden calf, and they start worshipping an idol. God was angry. God told the Israelites, if the Israelites don't want me, then let's part ways. Let, let's part ways. Now the Lord told Moses this. Look at chapter 33. Look at verse 2. He says, And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, Amorite, Hittite, Peruzite, Hivite, Jebusites. Verse 3. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are stiff-necked people. So God promised Moses, say, Moses, enough is enough. I will give you the land. You go up, you take the land. But I will not go up with you. But you know what? Land was not what Moses wanted. Ah. Land was not what Moses wanted. Most people just want the land. Jesus healed me already, what? Why do I still need to come to church? But land was not what Moses wanted. Moses wanted a relationship. He wanted the presence of God. Look at verse 15. Look at his reply. Verse 15. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For now, how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight? Except you go with us. Friends, that is the differentiating factor between God's people and all other people on the face of this earth. It is a relationship with Almighty God. It is not the law. It is not the circumcision or the Sabbath that they keep. It was their relationship with God who was ever present with them. I pray that City Harvest, we will grow deeper. We will go for relationship. Relationship with God Almighty. Amen. I love King David. In Psalms 51, it's a David's psalm. It was a time when David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Maybe because of distraction, sin, complacency. Maybe because of neglect. David felt far, far, far from the presence of God. Not that God's presence is no longer there. You must understand God is omnipresent. He's with us. But sometimes in relationship, the person can be standing next to you, but you feel that you're very far from the person. He felt far, far from the Lord because he has offended God. He has sinned. But look at verse 10. Look at his cry. He said this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. What a great prayer. Of all the prayer he can pray, I wonder how many kings will be like David. Most kings maybe will be praying, Oh God, I've sinned against you. Please don't take away my kingdom from me. Please don't take away my armies from me. Oh God, have mercy on me. Please, please don't let the enemies come and destroy my treasury. But that was not David's prayer. David's prayer when he was at the lowest, 
when you felt God is far. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Do not cast me away from your presence. I want the relationship. I want relationship more than anything else. May this be the prayer of City Harvest Church. <laughs> Hallelujah. So what is Numbers 15 trying to tell us? You see, because of unbelief and disobedience, Israel's relationship with God was broken. But God did not give up on them. And that is what I want to tell you tonight. God has not given up on you. You see, an animal had to die for the fellowship between man and God to take place. There has to be a sweet aroma. Everybody say a sweet aroma. And why am I so confident that God has not given up on us? Because Jesus, the Lamb of God, was slain for us. He became the sweet aroma. For the sake of our fellowship with the Father, He offered Himself as a living sacrifice, nailed to the cross. Nobody forced Him. He laid down willingly a voluntary offering. He has only one goal. You know why Jesus was so purposeful, determined to become the lamb that was slain to offer up the sweet aroma? Because He has only one thing on His heart. He wants a relationship with you, with me. And He gave it all because He wants relationship. I like what Hosea 11 says. Hosea 11, verse 8. This is God speaking to Israel when Israel was backsliding. He told Israel, He said, How can I give up on you, Ephraim? How can I hand you over Israel? How can I make you like Edma? How can I set you like Zeboim? My heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred because He's merciful. He's saying, how can I let you go? How can I give up on you? I love you. Verse 9 says, I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. I will not dis again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come with terror. Often, when we fail, when we disobey, when we rebel, we thought that God will reject us. But that is not who God is. That is not the God of the Bible that I read. The God of the Bible that I read is a God who cannot give up on us. He cannot let us go because He has given all for this relationship. He's committed. Let's go for relationship. Amen. You see, when, when I think about numbers and the wilderness journey, I think that the worship of the golden calf must be the greatest insult and rejection that Israel did toward God. It is, it is like a wife given all to be with the husband and the husband betrayed the relationship left the wife and go for another. It's one of the greatest insults and rejection that God, that Israel did toward God. That was in Exodus 33, 32. But in Exodus 34, right after the incident, in Exodus 34, when God again revealed Himself to Moses, I want you to see what God told Moses. Verse 6, 34 verse 6. He says, And the Lord passed before him, before Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. Oh, adore. Didn't they just betray God, insult God, turn away to worship idols? And this God would come and say, and when He revealed Himself, He, no, he never even said, why, 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 why you do this? He said, I, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful gracious 
long-suffering. Won't you come? Come back to that relationship. He will never reject us. Amen. Jesus became that sweet aroma. That is why in 1 Peter 1, Peter said this, knowing that you will not redeem with corruptible things like silver or gold for your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. There's nothing I can do that can satisfy, that can be a sweet aroma because I've, I'm human, I have many weaknesses. But I come to Jesus. He's that lamb that was slain become a sweet aroma. Today, Jesus is here. There's a sweet aroma rising to heaven so that we can come into a fellowship, relationship with Him. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap, shall we? Hallelujah. Shall we stand to our feet? This evening, don't be in a hurry to go because in a moment's time, we're going to worship. We are here for a relationship. That's what church is about. A relationship with our God, a relationship with our Father. Won't you close your eyes and leave your hands to the Lord wherever you are? Won't you just talk to Him? That's right, this evening, don't be afraid. He will never let you go. He never rejects us. He is merciful. He is gracious. worshipping the Lord. I can sense God's heart reaching out to many of us here. Some of us, maybe once you were so on fire for the Lord, 
so close in the relationship. But maybe like David, sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes because of neglect, complacency. It, there seems to be a distance from the Lord. And tonight, even as you're worshipping, I, so I can hear your hearts cry. Some of us, you're saying, God, I long for that relationship again. I long for that near, nearness, nearness, that closeness with you. But yet at the back of our mind, there's another voice that says, maybe, maybe I, it's too late for me. Maybe I did one mistake too much. Maybe I fall one time too many. Maybe, maybe the best that I can have is as far as it can get. But tonight, the Lord is saying, He is gracious, merciful. He's saying, how can I give up on you, my son? How can I let you go, my daughter? How can I let you go? How can I let you go? How can I give up on you? Won't you come near? Tonight, won't you believe? Won't you believe in His goodness? Won't you believe in His faithfulness? Won't you believe in His character? His word is good. He's trustworthy. When He said, He means it. I know sometimes people fail us. They say something, they don't mean it. But tonight, God is not like that. He mean what He say. You can trust His word. When He say, I won't give up on you, means I won't give up on you. When He say, I am faithful to you, means I'm faithful you to you. When He say, I'm gracious, I am merciful, means I'm gracious and merciful. Tonight, wherever you are, won't you draw near to you? All eyes closed. I wonder how many of us here say, Pastor, you're speaking about my heart. That was my prayer. That was my cry. If that's you, no, no one is watching. All eyes closed. It is relationship. Relationship between you and God. And tonight, I want to believe God for a miracle for your life. I want to believe God for restoration, for healing, for reconciliation. Something will break in your heart. Something, that barrier, that, that big gap, that, that, that big valley will be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. Something will be free from your heart tonight. If that's you, wherever you are, won't you just lift your hands to the Lord? You say, that's me. Won't you lift your hands to the Lord? And church together, for the next one minute, why not let us just lift our voice and pray? I want you to cry out to God. I want you to draw near to Him. Let Him know, I believe. Father, I believe in Your Word. I believe in Your character. I believe You mean what You say. So I'm coming. Father, you see these hands in the name of Jesus. Tonight I speak to all those wars in their hearts. Let all these wars come down. In the name of Jesus, let all the chains be loose. Be free. Be free from the condemnation. Be free from their fear. Be free from the self-rejection. In the name of Jesus.
church events, we were just worshiping God. I was just standing there, and I know our time is up, but I was just really struggling in my heart because I hear, I heard the Spirit of God saying that tonight, tonight that someone, tonight that some of you here in this place, you have heard of the heart of God, how He wants to have a relationship with you. Some of you, like what Pastor Bob said, you, are, you knew God, but tonight standing here, you are far, 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 far away. Things has caused you to be disappointed, disillusioned. Maybe things that you have done yourself and you're so discouraged that you just don't know how to come back to God. But I just feel the heart of God reaching out to you. And there are some of you, and, and this is especially for you. Some of you here... You are here invited by your family members or friends to join this baby dedication. And, and you are just here to, to just celebrate with them. But you heard this message. And you look at all these happy faces. And you look at this church. In your heart, you know that we are not perfect. But tonight, you hear the heart of God. The perfect God that's calling out to you. And he's saying to you, he wants to have a relationship with you. I cannot let us go tonight without obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's calling out to you when all eyes closed and all heads bowed, please. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. His only son. That you and I, whoever that will believe in him. We will not perish, but we will have everlasting life. Friends, God is calling out to you. No one is looking. All eyes are closed and all heads bow, except my eyes are open. And I'm calling to you, if you know that the Spirit of God, if you know something, it's moving in your heart. You might not totally understand it. But you know something is touching your heart and you want to have a relationship with God. Can you please, by the time I count to three, just lift up your hands. When I see your hands, I'll just pray for you because I know God is calling out to you. He's reaching out to you. Are you ready right now? No one is looking. I'm just going to count to three right now, okay? One, two, three. Can you please lift up your hands right now? That's right. I see your hands. I see your hands. Just lift it up. Everywhere, wherever you are standing, I see your hands. Just live it up, live it up, live it up. Just live it up, live it up. Just live it high up. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. I see those hands. Yes, I see your hands. Yes. Is there anyone from the back? Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. I'm looking. I'm looking. That's right. I see your hands. Thank you. God is reaching out to you. You say, I feel something. I don't know this God, but, but perhaps tonight it can be my night. I can know Him. If that's you, can you just lift up your hands right now? When I see your hands, I'll pray for you. That's right. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Those of you that are lifted up your hands. Church, why don't we put our hands together and clap? Those of you that are lifted up your hands, why don't we just come forward? Just quickly. We just want to tell you more about Jesus. We just want to say a prayer of blessing for you. That's all we want to do. We're not going to hold you up. If you put up your hands, just come. That's right. Just come to the front. Just come. Quickly, just come. We're waiting for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just come. Just come. Come to the front. All the way to the front. Just come. Thank you. Just come. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, church. Let's encourage them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're so happy for you. Just come. Just come. That's right. We're still waiting. Thank you, gentlemen. Just come. I'm waiting for you. That's right. Just come. I'm waiting. Someone else is coming down. We're waiting for you. Come. Come. So happy for you. Spirit fall.
thank you for coming. Jesus loves you so much. He's going to touch you in such a special way. Many of you are crying because you sense the love of God. He loves you. Today is your day. What a wonderful message Pastor Bob has preached. The only thing God wants from us is to have a relationship with us. It's so amazing, so amazing, so amazing. So for those of you that are standing in front, I want counselors to help me. Listen carefully, counselors. If you are standing next to someone, can you just tap on their shoulder? So those of you that are standing in front, if no one tap on your shoulder, can you please lift up your hands for me? Counselors, tap on their shoulder, all right? Yes, someone in the front, please. And the lady here. Eleanor, can you help me? All the way in the front. Yes. The lady in the stripe. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? No one tap on your shoulder? Yes. Wonderful. Oh, one more. Yes. One more lady. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. One more. Pastor Bob is going to lead us in a prayer. And then the counselor is just going to have a few minutes of your time to tell you more about Jesus and pray a prayer of blessing over you. Amen. Well, those in the front, I want to invite you to close your eyes. And within a moment's time, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Praying is like talking to God. I'm going to say, make a, I'm going to say a sentence. You repeat after me. But as you say, I want you to mean it with all your heart. And when you mean it with all your heart, Jesus hears your prayer. And church, let's join in this prayer. Let's encourage all our friends in the front. So let's get ready now. Say together with me, Jesus. Jesus. I come to you tonight. I come to you tonight. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your precious blood. Thank you for your precious blood. That cleansed me and washed me. That cleansed me and washed me. Tonight. Tonight. I ask you. I ask you. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my sins. Wash me clean. Wash me clean. I invite you. I invite you. To come into my heart. To come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Be my Lord and Savior. From tonight onwards. From tonight onwards. I will follow you. I will follow you. I ask you, Holy Spirit. I ask you, Holy Spirit. Help me every day. Help me every day. Give me your grace. Give me your grace. Give me your strength. Give me your strength. To live an overcoming life. To lead an overcoming life. I give you my heart. I give you my heart. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen. 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 Church, won't you give all our new friends a big hand clap? Jesus loves you so much. So many of you, you are tearing, you are crying. I know that tonight is a night of change for your life. It's a turning point for many of you. Amen. Well, church, it's so precious. Why not, can we do it one more prayer? I want the whole church, you stretch your hands. Let's pray for all our friends in front. Let's pray for them, shall we? Let me say a prayer over you right now. Father, I pray for all our friends. I pray that tonight, let healing come to their body. Those who are sick, let them receive a healing right now. Those who are oppressed in their spirit, let them be free in the name of Jesus. Let it be a turning point for their life. I pray, oh God, manifest your presence. Let them know, let them know, let them know that they are accepted, they are loved. In the name of Jesus, pour your grace and your mercy upon them. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And church, you say, Amen. 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 Well, those in the front, we love you so much. Standing behind you, beside you, there's a, there's a, a counselor. They just want to spend a few moments with you to get to know you, give you a small little gift. Please give them a few minutes. Now, we are a church. We are a big, happy family. We want to invite you to keep coming back again and again every week. Ch church, how many of you want all these friends to come back? Won't you let them know, clap your hands, let them know that we want, we want you to come back. A relationship. We want to have a relationship. So please come back and join us again and again. Amen. Well, church, thank you for your time. How many of you are blessed tonight? Amen. 
Well, our service is over, but our fellowship just begun. Won't you give the Lord a big hand clap? And God bless you. See you next week. And those in the front, just give the counselors a, a few moments, all right? And that's the end of this week's podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Email us at connect at chc.org.sg 